0: this song the song before this one of the lyrics were all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good and you know some of some of you in the room you know you're like yeah that's like my song that's my jam and other people in this room you're sitting here and you're going i don't believe it i don't believe that god's been faithful i look in the chaos and the the dysfunction of my life and the darkness and all my life you've been so, so good. Like it doesn't resonate, doesn't seem true. Maybe for you, you feel like God is a million miles away and that he has been absent in some of the most horrific things that have happened in your life. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been good. I don't buy it. So so then we sing this last song and it just reminded me of something that happens in the Gospel of John in the very first chapter. The setting is a time where there's this people of God, the Israelites who have this rich history of God speaking to them and this rich history of that there's a promise in front of them but they find themselves in a time in a place where they're under the oppression, under the thumb of the Roman empire. And there hasn't been a prophet that has spoken to them in 400 years. And they hear about the faithfulness of God and they hear about the goodness of God, but for them, it doesn't resonate either. Like, where is this God? I thought he was gonna rescue us. I thought he was gonna save us there emerges this man out of the blue named John who is out in the boonies dunking people in the Jordan River, like for their sins. And people come from all, all throughout Jerusalem. They take like this pilgrimage to the Jordan River to be dunked in the water by John. And the religious leaders can't figure it out. It's like this organic thing that just kind of happens and just kind of takes Judea by storm. And one day he's out dunking people and his attention is riveted to this man that nobody knows. He's, he's a no one, no one knows his name, no one knows his story. And in John chapter one, it says this, it says the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. And again, Jesus is nobody. Jesus isn't on anybody's radar. He's a carpenter from Nazareth, a nowhere town. John sees Jesus coming and he says, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And everyone's sitting around going, what? Like he's, he's a carpenter from Nazareth, right? Like, I mean, it'd be like, behold, Tim Willis, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Like, you'd be like, no. Right, I mean, it's just, like we know the story and so we all go, oh yeah, amen. If you're living in it, if you're walking through it, you're like, this is the most absurd thing. What, so so the, the deal is for the Israelites, they have for hundreds of years, had to sacrifice millions of animals throughout those hundreds of years for the atonement of their sin so that their sin could be covered, so that they could, all the guilt and all the baggage and all the shame that they had been carrying around, that, that somehow a sacrifice of an animal was supposed to take care of it. And they would jump through the hoops and they would do all the religious obligations, but it never took. Like they would always walk away going, I don't feel any different. Doesn't feel like this is doing anything. But God had in plan that there would be one who would actually be God himself, sinless, spotless, pure, who would at the just the right moment, voluntarily, it seems in the story like he's forced, but it's all of his accord that he would go to the cross, that he would be brutally tortured, horrifically beaten. I mean, scripture says that you wouldn't even recognize him. I mean, he's a bloody mess, naked, hanging on a cross. And all the while in that act, he is a spotless lamb being slain for the sins of the world, taking upon himself my sins, all of my shame, all of my guilt, all the things that I'm deeply ashamed of and hope that nobody else would ever know that he takes all that upon him. He takes the punishment, the wrath of God, the justice of God that we all deserve. He takes it all upon himself. And that if we believe in him, and it seems too good to be true, seems too simple, but if we will believe in him and place the entirety of our trust upon him and say, God, I've been calling the shots in my life. I've been trying to lead my life myself. I I cry uncle, I give up. Would you take the reins of my life? Would you be in charge? Would you be the Lord and the master? Forgive me of my sins. You be the master and leader of my life. I give all of me to you. I'm all in. I commit all of my life, all of my will to your care, to your control. He hears that. And he adopts us into his family. And he puts his spirit in us. And he does a work that we can't even begin to imagine. And it doesn't all happen at once. I mean it does, and yet it doesn't. It's a journey of following him and learning how to walk with him. I just had this feeling and that this wasn't planned. But as we're worshiping, I just had this feeling that there's somebody in this room that before we even get into the sermon this morning, like like why wait, like right now that you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe, you, maybe you're a, a deeply good person. Maybe you've been very religious. Maybe you attend church all the time. But as you look back in your life, there's never been a time where you humbled yourself. to so, said, Jesus, I've sinned. And I recognize that when you went to the cross, you did it for me. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to lead my life. Empower me to be your disciple, to be your apprentice, to follow after you, to do the things that you want me to do. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm not gonna embarrass anyone here at Journey. We believe the public way that we profess our faith is through baptism, which we will be having the first Sunday of January. But maybe you're here and you say, Ken, when you pray for me, I. I need Jesus in my life. I need his forgiveness. I need him to be the leader and master of my life. Would you just raise your hands so I can pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. You can lower your hands if you've raised them. Three of you so far and the first service was two of you. Yeah, back there. Anyone else? This is the greatest thing that could happen this morning. Everything else is just icing on the cake. This is how we see the faithfulness and the goodness of God, is that he didn't have to, but he loved us even while we were his enemies, even before we did anything to earn it. He loved us and he died for us. God, you see each hand that just went up. You see the ones who they wanna raise their hand, but they're just not yet ready. God, you love them too. God, you love the one who says, I want to, but I don't have it figured out yet. I don't, I don't under there's parts of the Bible I still don't get. God, God you see them. I pray that right now under their breath, that they would just that they would just cry out to you as, as a whisper, just Jesus, have mercy on me. I don't understand it all. I don't have it all figured out, but I trust that you went to the cross for me, that you died on the cross. And on the third day, you were raised from the grave, proving that you have the power to change my life. Forgive me. I ask you to lead me, be my master, empower me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) That's so awesome, you guys. I don't want us to ever get used to this. I don't want us to ever go, oh yeah, a couple people are giving their lives to Jesus. In fact, can we just praise God for that this morning? Just give him all praise and all glory. Come on church, like really? Praise God. Praise God. So if you raised your hand, in fact, everybody in this room, would you reach into the pocket of the chair in front of you, and there's a connection card. Go past the offering envelopes. I promise you somewhere in there you'll find a connection card. And I'm going to ask everybody this morning to fill one of these out, okay? Whether you raised your hand, whether you filled one of these out a hundred times, if you did raise your hand, there's a place that says, my next step. Maybe you're starting a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're reaffirming a relationship with Jesus. If you check one of those boxes, man, that'd be awesome. For the rest of you, you know, if you filled one of these out before, just give us your first and last name. If you've if you've never filled one out, if you give us your address, we have something we want to send you this week. And when you leave this morning, there's going to be some good-looking people out in the lobby with white buckets. You can just stick those in the buckets, and we appreciate you doing that. Hey, this is, today we're going to be a little, if, if, to all the uh, people who grew up in like the Catholic church and the Lutheran church, you're going to love this because we're going to do some sitting down and some standing up and then some sitting down. We won't make you kneel this morning but, but would you stand to your feet again and would you find someone around you that you don't know and just introduce yourself to them? We're going to give you a moment to, to do that. You may be seated while you're doing that. I want to say a welcome to everyone watching online. We're so glad that you're here with us. And you know what, maybe you're watching online and what we just talked about resonates for you and you want to give your life to Christ. Man, let somebody know on that, uh, uh, on, in the comments, or I think we even have a link to a, a virtual connection card that you can click on and you can let us know that. Hey, before we get into God's word together, a couple things we want to let you know about I hear a bell, and that reminds me that we are ringing the bell for Salvation Army on Saturday, December 18th, and so if you want to be a part of that, li- this is a great thing to do, like if, if you're single, find a group of friends to do this together, or maybe bring your family, it's just a great thing, I think the, is it just our assignments, I'm looking for Jody, I think she was in the first service, it's just, an, it's just one hour, right, They were asking them to, so just for one hour. Some of you who are musical I mean I've seen I've seen some people sing, some people you know play a musical instrument, I don't know what you, it said Kroger so you're indoors. You're not, amen, I hear a great big, some of you have done the one night at Walmart and you're like freezing your tail off, right? So you're indoors. Listen, we would love to fill up those slots. In fact, we'd love to have so many people responding that we have to take take some more time. And so if you have questions, Jody, would you raise your hand? Jody here, you can talk to Jody. She'll help you. To register, go to, Church Center, to the Church Center app, go to events. If you don't have the Church Center app, go to our website, explorejourney.org. Go to events and you can sign up from there as well. Christmas Eve, uh, Want to make sure you know all about this. Traditionally, before COVID, Christmas Eve was our highest attended service of the year. So make sure you put this on your calendar. Four thirty and six o'clock will be our times. We're going to be adding some more chairs into the room. And uh, a special word to all the grandparents in this room, or maybe parents with uh, you have older kids. Here, I, I've seen great, um, <laughs> I've seen great shrewdness in um, saying, "Hey, uh, before you guys get your gifts." You got to come to Christmas Eve service with me. So I mean, don't be afraid. Hey, we'll use any means necessary short of sin to like uh yeah, just be shrewd. Yeah. And then finally, as you came in this morning, you received a half sheet. At the top of it, it says Christmas offering. And uh, this is for you. There's no manipulation or coercion in this. If, if God's been good to you financially in 2021, maybe you're looking for a way just to give back to his kingdom and to his work. And so what we did is we just listed um, some needs that we know of. About half of these needs actually are outside of our church and don't have any immediate benefit to us as a church. And then some of those are needs that we have inside the church for the youth ministry and for several other things. And so those are, those are areas that are outside of what we have budgeted. And uh, so if you'd like to help with any of those things, there's instructions on the bottom. And, uh, and, and you, can talk to, uh, you can talk to Pastor Aaron afterward if you have questions about that. I just made that up <laughs> poor Pastor Aaron. He's like, all right, so you'll make up an answer. Yes. Yeah, okay, good. Hey, we are starting a brand new series for the next three weeks today, the following week, and then uh, the Sunday before Christmas called Gifts. And uh, I'll be honest, and don't, don't hate me for this. Hope you don't leave Journey Church over this. As a pastor, like, I love Christmas. I love the Christmas story. I just hate preaching about it every year. You know, like every year, it's like, oh, I got to do a Christmas series, three, four weeks, talking about Jesus' birth. I think we all know the story, right? Like, like and, and so I'm not Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm not the Grinch, but I'm just kind of like, you know, so around October, I start feeling it every year. I'm like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to do this? And so I was reading through the Christmas story and. And God showed me something that I'm so excited about sharing with you, but we're gonna talk about some gifts that are right in the Christmas story that I never saw before. Now, the gifts that you're used to hearing about probably are frankincense and gold and myrrh, and, and that there's people way smarter than me that could talk for hours about the spiritual symbolism behind those gifts and, and really just wax, you know, extemporaneously on that. I'm a dummy, and so I'm just, I'm just looking through the story and there were several spiritual gifts that I saw in the story, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, these gifts aren't dormant. They're not dead. They haven't ceased to exist. Like, I still have these gifts for my church. I still have these gifts for followers of Jesus. And so what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna look at a category of gifts. Next week, we'll look at a different one, and then third week, we'll look at a third one, a category of gifts, and they're mentioned in the Bible. We're gonna look at how they are how we see them in the Christmas story. And then we're gonna talk about why, why would we even need these today? And then finally, like, how, how could we get these? Like, how, do, how does that work spiritually, right? And so hopefully that's not too complicated. But the spiritual gifts, just, just to give you kind of an introduction, because for some of you in this room, you hear that and you go, spiritual gifts? Like already, like your weird meters, like being set off a little bit. You know, like spiritual gifts, what is that all about? Well, 50 years after Jesus' birth, So after his death, resurrection, he's ascended to the Father, and the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a group of followers of Jesus in Corinth, and like near the end of his letter, kind of about two-thirds of the way through his letter, he addresses some questions that they had given him. Now, here's a hard part. When we read some of these letters, like we only get one side of the conversation, right? Like we don't, we don't know what the exact question was or how they asked it or anything. But, but so in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse one, I'm just gonna read like a verse from here, just talk about it real briefly, and then we're gonna get into the gospel of Matthew and look at the Christmas story. But Paul writes this in chapter 12, verse one of 1 Corinthians. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters... Regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Now, in some of your translations, it'll say, "Now about spiritual gifts." I don't want you to be ignorant. And so, and then Paul spends the rest of the chapter talking about the spiritual gifts. I'm not. We're not going to go deep into the woods with that today. Maybe at some point we will. But but right out of the gates, Paul says, "Listen, I don't want you to be ignorant." I don't want you to be you know, ill-informed on this. Now, I know when I was growing up, like the a word for ignorant would be fool, right? And the use of the word fool was primarily Mr. T saying, I pity the fool, right? And I'm dating myself big time, I, I understand that. But like no one wants to be no one wants to be the person who is uninformed. No one wants to be the person who is ignorant, right? Like you, in, your, in your break room tomorrow at work, you don't want someone to come up to you and say, Walt, you are so ignorant. Those are like fighting words, aren't they? Like say it again, right? Come on, right? Like, and so Paul is saying, listen, as a follower of Jesus, this is important. You got, you got to understand what this is all about. Now, spiritual gifts, what are spiritual gifts? They are simply special abilities that the Spirit gives us that are beyond ourselves. They're beyond our education. They're beyond our experiences. They're, they're not something we can come up with. They're, they're imparted by the Holy Spirit. And in verses 8 through 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives a list, and, in, and there's different lists throughout the, the New Testament, but in this list, there's nine spiritual gifts that he talks about. And, and here's the deal. He makes it clear that the Spirit gives them as he wills. So it's like he gives, I already used him as an example earlier, so I'll, I'll get off of you. But, but, but for Daniel, like he's got gifts for Daniel that he doesn't have for me. And, and he, has, he has gifts for Pastor Aaron that he doesn't have for Daniel that he doesn't have for me. And, and the cool thing is, we, as we get together as a community of Jesus followers and we put our gifts together, like God does extraordinary things, right? And here's the cool thing, there's not one person who has all of the spiritual gifts. In fact, there's only been one person who's ever walked this earth who had all the spiritual gifts, and that was Jesus. And so we get to lean on each other, okay? And so, so I said earlier in verses 8 through 11, there's a list of nine gifts. Scholars who are way smarter than me have put those into three categories. And so we're going to talk about the first category today. Next week, we'll talk about a second. The final week, we'll talk about a third. Today, we want to talk about the category of spiritual gifts that I'm calling the gifts of revelation. The gifts of revelation. In a few minutes, So I'm gonna unpack that, but the gifts of revelation are basically the word of wisdom or the message of wisdom, a word of knowledge or a message of revelation knowledge, and then discernment. But first, what I wanna do before, before I define those, I want us to go to the original Christmas story, and I want you to see how these gifts of revelation are at work in the Christmas story. And in fact, as we read these passages, I want you to think what would have happened If these gifts of revelation were never given by God, how would the Christmas story have been different? My argument, I would submit to you that the Christmas story would be drastically different if these gifts of revelation weren't in operation. You guys all with me? So let's go to Matthew's gospel and we're gonna start with Matthew chapter one and we're gonna look at Uh, the gifts of revelation in the Christmas story. Starting with verse 18, Matthew chapter one, verse 18. We're not gonna have all of uh, of this up on the screen. It's too much and I read too fast. And so I encourage you to look for this in your own Bibles. We're gonna be reading a lot from Matthew one and then we're gonna get into Matthew two. Matthew one, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Okay, we know this story, okay? We've heard this story a hundred times. If you've never been to church, you probably heard it in the Charlie Brown Christmas. And so, but but take yourself like act like you've never heard this story before. Like you have Joseph, who's a godly man. He's engaged to Mary, who seems to be a godly woman. Mary has gone to CVS and got a pregnancy test and she's pregnant and she comes to Joseph with the stick and she goes, Joseph, we gotta talk. Joseph, I've never had sexual relations with anybody. An angel came to me and told me that I'm pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And Joseph is left going, say what? In fact, I saw a meme on Facebook this week that kind of, you know, gives a reaction of probably how I'd feel. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you, want, you want me to believe what? Right? And so jo- Joseph is looking at this going, like, this is so out of character for Mary. It's so out of character, right? Like, he, he loves this woman. He has seen her character. He's seen how how, you know, just... And so now he's got a decision to make, right? And for most of us in this room, it's a no-brainer. Why well, go through with getting married to a woman who's obviously out of her mind, ridiculously crazy? Right? So let's keep going, and now we're going to see the gifts of Revelation for the first time in the Christmas story. As he considered this. Now, if, you, if you're in your Bible, circle the word consider. We're going to come back to that word in a little bit and define that. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, how? In a what? In a dream. So God, God he's, he's asleep. God gives him a dream. And here's what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's telling the truth, Joe. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And he wakes up. <laughs> What in the world? Have you ever had a dream that was like no other dream? How many of you have dreams like, like you remember your dreams like every night? How many of you never remember your dreams? Yeah, I don't remember. Carrie, could, she has like a whole other life that happens in her dreams. She could, she could spend hours every morning telling you about the dreams she had. I, I, don't, I don't operate that. Like I don't remember. And you, you can psychoanalyze me later and tell me why, that, why that's true and all that. So what happens? God speaks to, he speaks to him in a way that, like he, he doesn't do this with everybody, but he knows Joseph, and he knows that he can speak to Joseph in this manner, and I would submit to you that this is an, an operation of the gifts of revelation. That's right. By the way, we do have a nursery, if you guys want to utilize that. that that's helpful too. So, so now, Jesus, not being rude, just saying that it is back there. Um, so, so Jesus is born, let's fast forward now to chapter two. Jesus is born, right? He's born, shepherds come, magi, wise men, they come. And now we're gonna go to Matthew chapter two, beginning with verse 13. It says, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. How does he appear to Joseph? In a, get used to saying this, okay? There's gonna be more get up flee to egypt with the child and his mother the angel said stay there until i tell you to return because herod is going to search for the child to kill him that night joseph left for egypt with the child and Mary, his mother and they stayed there until herod's death and this fulfilled what the lord had spoken through the prophet i called my son out of egypt second time that there are the gifts of revelation okay let's just pause right here with just these two instances Imagine if he wouldn't have had the gift of revelation the first time. How would the Christmas story be different? I submit to you, I think he would have walked out. I don't think it would be Mary and Joseph. I think it would be Mary the single mother in the nativity, right? Second occasion of the gifts of revelation, what would have happened if Joseph hadn't received this dream? Very likely that Jesus would have been killed by an insanely jealous king. Okay, this isn't the end of it. You you skip to chapter, uh, verse 19, Matthew chapter two, verse 19. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. And so I I could keep reading, but basically there's going to be one more time. There's going to be a total of four times that God is going to give revelation knowledge to Joseph in a dream for the purpose of preserving the promise that God has for the whole world. It's incredible now here's the thing to, to think about Joseph is just an ordinary guy he he's not. he's never been to cemetery I mean seminary same thing right uh, he's he's a full-time carpenter like he, he's a man who works with his hands might be an introvert might not really have a bunch of friends outside a couple guys I mean like the, but God God uses him in a powerful way that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. Isn't it incredible? My contention is that God has gifts of revelation for some of you in this room. That God, and, and, and I would push further, that we need the gifts of revelation today even more than we've ever needed them before. God wants you to experience these revelation gifts. You don't have to walk on water. Maybe you've just been a follower of Jesus for a couple of weeks or maybe even for a couple of months. It doesn't matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus. God has wisdom and revelation and discernment for you. He wants to speak to you. Why? Why do we need this? I think, let's just get into it about 30 years after Jesus' birth, Jesus is now a grown man. He's in his early 30s, and one day he's teaching the people, and he says, this is what you need to know about what's really going on. You think you know what's going on around you? There's something deeper than what you know that's going on around you. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said about the devil, he said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you have an enemy. You probably don't even know it. You probably don't even recognize it, but you have an enemy, and here's his mission. From day one, his mission is to take you out. He wants you dead. You say, well, obviously he doesn't want me physically dead. Oh, yeah. He wants you, he wants you dead, and if he, can't get, if he can't kill you physically, he wants to get it so you're dead on the inside. He wants you deceived, and thinking all sorts of distorted thoughts about God, and about yourself, and about others. And guys, we are under attack as never before. In fact, I would argue that there's three, there's, there's three different fronts that we're under attack. The Bible speaks of all three of these very clearly throughout the New Testament. The first one is a demonic attack, that followers of Jesus, if, you, if you've decided to follow Jesus, let me tell you, it's not, I, we talk about this all the time, it's not a life of cupcakes and unicorns. You're in a war. And there is a demonic strategy and attack against followers of Jesus and the church to distort our identity and our mission and to question the heart of God toward us. Did God really say? Does God really love you? Does he really have his best, your best interest at heart? Right? It's a, it's a demo, and it's constant. And there's times where you feel it more than at other times because the enemy is shrewd. And he knows the seasons of our lives. And he knows, he knows the moments when we're hungry. And he knows the moments when we're alone. And he knows the moments when we're tired. And he, he'll back off for a season, but then he'll come in with a full frontal attack, right? That's the first front. The second front is what Paul and James and Peter refer to in the New Testament. It's always a weird word when you read it. They talk about the flesh, it's an internal attack. The flesh, we think of the flesh as being our body. It's, it's, the flesh isn't our body. The flesh is, you know, when, when, when we're saved, like we're justified in God's eyes, we're in the process of sanctification, but there is still this sin nature that resides within us. I would, I would it's desires, it is cravings that are from the flesh that are from our sin nature, that are not in alignment with God and his purposes for your life. And I just wanna say something, you are not an animal. We're being, we're being taught by culture all the time that, well, you're just an animal. That we're not animals. We don't have to do what these cravings and desires tell us that we have to do. I, th- I thought that would be a good place to say amen, but all right, whatever. So there's a the demonic attack. There's the attack from within, from our sin nature, those cravings, those desires, and then the third front is an attack from the world. And especially the Apostle John. Read First John and Second John. They're short little letters. You can read them. You can read them in less less than probably thirty minutes. These two letters, very short letters. But John in these letters talk about the attack of the world against us. Now when John's talking about the world, he's not talking about the 7.8 billion people who live on this planet. He's talking about the world system, the political systems, the economic systems, the entertainment systems, the educational systems, the systems of this world that, that are all in alignment to try to get us to just act upon any animalistic urge or craving that we have. And to distort good and to distort right. Does this resonate at all? You see this at all going on in our world? And so, more than ever, we need the gifts of revelation. Because the attack of the enemy against us, he, it's not like any other kind of attack, it's, it's like Russian propaganda. It's subtle, you don't know it, you got to read between the lines. But there's a strategy, oh boy, isn't there? Like Joseph, we need the gifts of revelation. We need to have a message of wisdom, a message of revelation. We need discernment, especially in this moment. And so what are these three gifts? I've kind of been dancing around them. What You know, in in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 11, in the list that Paul gives, he just lists them. He doesn't give us any information, so I I really don't even need to read the whole list. You can read it later on. But he speaks of three of the nine gifts that he talks about that are in this category of the Revelation gifts. The first is the message of wisdom, or some of you grew up hearing the word of wisdom, right? The word of wisdom, the message of wisdom. Here's the best way to describe this. Let's say... Tomorrow you're in your, in your break room at work and your coworker is just telling you about a situation that happened this, this week, maybe, maybe a situation with their teenage son and they're just pouring out their heart and you're sitting there and you don't have anything, right? Like you weren't educated to give an answer to this question. You haven't gone through the, the you don't have experience to be able to give. And so inwardly they're talking, you're listening, you're leaning in, but you're just going, God, you gotta give me something. And and sometimes, like you have that silent prayer, you know what I'm talking about, like a silent prayer. You're not doing it out loud, and and God imparts to you like wisdom that you didn't come up with. And you just, I, I just, I just have this feeling that maybe, maybe this is how you should be reacting. Maybe this is how you should be responding. That would be a word of wisdom. These messages are in alignment with Scripture. they're not. You, these are never outside of Scripture. They're no substitute for diligently studying Scripture. They're not a Christian version of fortune-telling, but they are God's uh, gift of wisdom for a specific problem that might not already be addressed in the Bible. So uh, in your notes, we have several passages that you can l- look up. This, in the early church, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, um, there's a time where the early church is accused of 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 basically racism that one group of widows one nationality of widows feels disenfranchised feels like they're not getting the same level of respect and treatment that another uh ethnic group of of widows is getting And so the the apostles and the church leaders all get together and they seek god and god gives them a word of wisdom in that situation they didn't have a master's degree in business to, to try to come up with a solution it's it's god given to them right there's other examples that, that you can look up later. The sec- so that's a message of wisdom. The second is a message of knowledge, or a word of knowledge. Maybe in, in some of your churches, or it, that's actually in some of our translations, a word of knowledge. This is when God prompts you and reveals to you facts or insights about a person or a circumstance or a biblical truth that, that you didn't previously know. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't, I don't get what you're saying. So let me give you a couple of examples from the Bible. In John 1, verse 48, Jesus is calling some guys to be his apprentices, to be his disciples. And one of the guys is a guy named Philip. And Philip comes dragging his friend, Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel doesn't know what he thinks about Jesus. He's skeptical, right? And so Nathaniel comes and Jesus goes, oh, hey, Nathaniel, I saw you when you were under a fig tree. And Nathaniel goes, you couldn't have seen me when I was under a fig tree. I was all by myself. God had given Jesus a message, a word of knowledge regarding Nathanael that changed, changed the trajectory and changed how Nathanael saw him. Here, let me give you one more example. In John chapter four, Jesus is having a conversation with a foreign woman at a well. And they're having, they get immediately get into this deep theological discussion, right? And in the middle of the conversation, the Holy Spirit gives Jesus this knowledge about her romantic life how many times she'd been married, right? Jesus had no way of knowing this. No one like said, took Jesus aside and like read her bio to her. Like this is is imparted by the Holy Spirit. It's knowledge about things that you really shouldn't have knowledge about. But it's for the purpose of drawing someone to Jesus. Does that make sense? I know it's weird and I know some of you go, man, could God do that? Yes, God could do that and God wants to do it and he wants to do it through his church. He wants to do it through us. Here's the third area is discernment. So these are all three gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 that are part of this category that we're calling the revelation gifts. Discernment is the ability to perceive whether a thought or action is coming from just your own ideas, from God, or maybe they're even demonic. Ever had it, like you have a thought and you're like, I don't know what that is. I don't know where that's coming from. A great example of this would be in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus is having this moment of vulnerability, right? And Jesus, is just him and his disciples and Jesus just gets real like honest. I mean, he's always honest, okay? Don't email me later, okay? I, I get, G, Jesus is always honest. But he just starts pouring out, like telling them about how he's gonna die, telling them about how he's gonna suffer. I mean, he's, he's getting really vulnerable in this moment, right? And Peter, it's always Peter, right? Peter goes, no. That's not gonna happen. You're the Messiah. You're not gonna suffer. You're not gonna die. And how does Jesus respond? He says something that really kind of freaks us out, right? He says, get behind me, Satan. Okay, what's going on there? Jesus immediately discerns. In fact, some people believe that this is actually a temptation of Satan against Jesus. And so Jesus immediately identifies what it is, and I'm not saying you have to do this at work tomorrow, you know, when somebody says to me, well, that's straight from the devil, <laughs> You don't have to say it out loud, but for Jesus, he needed Peter to know you're out of line. That, that, is not, that is not a God thought. That's not a you thought. That's demonic in origin to try to trip me up and to try to trip up my mission. So this is why we need, do you understand why we need the gift of revelation? Now here's probably the pushback. Probably the pushback is, I don't know if God still does this stuff. So I'm going to invite my friend Kevin uh, up to the front. Kevin Miller is not—he's not a professional pastor. He's a physical therapist at Bellevue Hospital, and Kevin is a smart guy. He's not a—he's not an idiot. He's well educated, and uh, yeah, I, I know. I'm just trying to say this because he's going to say something in a minute. And you're going to be like, "Ooh, that's." cocoa for cocoa puffs you know like cuckoo for cocoa puffs i don't know what that is yeah, yeah. so tell tell okay. you're sharing this with me this week tell, right. tell us the story right. so in
1: 2007 um I was, you know at that time in that stage i was studying the word of god kind of like a textbook you know um and that's nothing wrong with that but i started reading a book by a chinese um man brother yun and, and, and in that book he was always talking about how revelation and, and prophecy that we'll talk about i think next week but It was a part of the church in in China, like how it was always, uh, how they they ministered and how they spread the gospel. And so I was like, boy, they're having a lot of fun over there. And I remember just praying, like, if that's true, I want to know what this is all about. And, and, you know, you pray for a few days and and nothing happens, so you give up. But um, about three weeks later then, I'm with uh, Clara at the park. This is, I think, 2007 community park in Clyde, and uh, we have these things, they're called the, you know, bread of life, some people know what they are, they're, they're like a plastic uh, piece of bread, and I would always grab two, and, and uh, Claire had a little friend there, and I was just going through, and just, just reading this, I see this gentleman walking, okay, walking in the park, and um, and there's this one verse that just said, I just it wasn't audible, but it was just like, this verse needs to go to that guy, and I'm thinking, well, you know, actually, he looks like he could use this verse, but um and there wasn't there wasn't that it was just this verse needs to go to that guy and so as he's coming closer i remember just thinking i see on the bench and like it was like i was super glued i couldn't get up and uh, and so we did that friendly you know small town head nod and he goes around the park again and i'm praying bring him back i'm sorry um, and he did he came back around and this time i stood up and, you know, this, this thought like, oh my goodness, I'm just an optimist. You know, this is maybe just a pride thing, or maybe this is just, uh, maybe he's a, maybe he's, a, he's an atheist, and he chased me around the park, and, and, and I just was like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. And so, um, and so I was just like, he went by, and we did the head nod, and he went to the parking lot and, and left, and I'm like, oh, shoot. So, that night, um, you know, getting ready for Sunday, I was like, listen, Lord, I'm sorry, I'll keep that in my wallet. Um, and if I see him again, I will be sure to give that to him. Okay. So we're waiting in the van and, and, uh, and we go down on Buckeye street in Clyde. And sure enough, I'm like, there's the guy and um, and I get uh, you know, pulling someone's driveway. I trot up to him. I'm like Hey, I remember you at the park yesterday. Uh, I just really felt the father I uh, wanted me to give you this verse and um, Here it is, you know, and I was expecting him to say thank you or hello or goodbye or and he said nothing he just held it there and, and, um, and so I just like it was so anticlimactic. I just went back in the van and uh, looked in the RV or the rear view mirror and uh, and you no know, That's all he's doing just holding that verse. Okay now, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story, okay, so two years later, okay, so when I was going through a little bit of a a struggle, I think that the timing was kind of unique, but um, the Lord reminded me, I met this guy, and he said, you know, when I was in the park, we were, we had a a choice that week of purchasing a building for a church, and, and I was prayer walking, and I was like saying, should we be here in Clyde, should we be here in Clyde, should we be here in Clyde, and it would have been timely, right, if I just went over right then. But uh, but he's like, when you brought that verse, that was a promise that you had, that I had from God about this town. Um, it, you know, that was that was a go for it, buy it, um, and, uh, and and they did. And so it was just interesting how that worked, how God utilized just um, just something that we had in my pocket uh, uh, for uh, purchasing a, a testimony in Clyde. Oops. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I think it's so cool. Yeah.
0: So, so people in the first service afterward, they're like, "So, was that you? Were you the pastor?" I am like, "No, that was some other person." So, but that would have been cool, though, wouldn't it? Like they, and now the rest of the rest of the story. Uh, uh, so, uh, so I, I just want to encourage you. Like, God wants to use you, and it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be outside of your personality or outside, like you don't, you don't have to all of a sudden like speak at a loud volume and start, the Lord ha, would say ha to you ha. You know, they, you don't have to start speaking in Shakespearean English. You could just naturally be supernatural. You know, that, that's possible, right? That you could just lean in. So, so some of you right now are going, okay, how does this work? I wanna give you four words that I think will help you as we, as we come to a close here. They are know, desire, listen, and move. Let's talk about know. First of all, if you're gonna move into the, if you're gonna be used by God in the gifts of revelation, you've gotta read, study, and memorize God's word. As a Jew, Joseph knew the Bible. In fact, most scholars believe that, that because of who he was and, and, and all that, he probably had at least the first five books of the Old Testament like memorized. At the very least, every Jewish, especially every Jewish boy, would know the entirety of the Psalms. They would sing them. A lot of them were songs that they would sing for different high holy days, for their different feasts. They would sing them when they were going to Jerusalem. Like, so, so he had a lot of scripture like memorized. He knew the words by heart. Can I tell you the word of God is so key in moving in the gifts of revelation? It's the foundation of revelation. So no, the second word is Desire. I think as a church and as individuals who, the, who 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 comprise the church, we need to begin to express desire and desperation for God as never before. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, it says, and I, I mentioned this word earlier, it says that Joseph considered. Or some of your translations use the word pondered, right? When he had gotten the news that Mary was pregnant, he was trying to figure out like what to do, he considered the matter, he pondered. This Greek word literally means an inward passion that he had about these matters. And I believe as a godly man that Joseph took that and he took it to God. He said, God, this isn't right. God, this doesn't line up. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't pass the, the sniff test. Like, God, what are you doing here? You've got to give me an answer, right? Like, I think we as a people of God need to have a desperation about what's going on around us in this world. And I don't even mean like the stuff that you, that you see on the news. I'm talking about just the stuff that's going down in your factory, in your family, in your neighborhood. Can I tell you, it doesn't it seem like the dysfunction is just like at a higher level than it's been before? We, as a people of God, need to have wisdom and knowledge and revelation. And God wants that for us. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've been a Christian, can you express desire to God? God, I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you. The third, the third thing would be to listen. 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 The text implies that Joseph is by himself. He wasn't watching ESPN, he wasn't playing Call of Duty, he didn't have Spotify in the background, he wasn't scrolling through social media. And in some ways, Joseph had an advantage that we don't have because there really wasn't much noise to be had in the ancient world. We're at a disadvantage. You and I are constantly surrounded by noise, right? But listen, even though we're at a disadvantage, I want every person to hear this. We are not defenseless bystanders. You and I can choose to have moments of quiet and silence and solitude in our lives. And can I go as far as saying you and I need to have quiet and silence and solitude in our lives. Even the extroverts, you need this. It gives you time for your soul to catch up to your body. Like there's something about it. And if you don't forcefully place that in your life, it will not happen. Because one of the attacks of the enemy is to create as much noise as possible in our lives. So we can't really hear I'm telling do whatever you gotta do. If you've gotta go in the bathroom and turn on the fan and turn off the light and just give yourself two minutes to just be quiet and listen, I'm telling you, it is something you need. And sometimes in those moments of quiet, God will download things into your heart that you wouldn't have heard otherwise. Now with the silence, there's a purpose behind it. We're saying, God, speak to me. God, I'm listening, like Samuel. We're saying, God, I'm listening. Speak to me. I'm your servant. I'll do what you want me to do. And then here's the fourth thing speaking of doing, is move in seeking god and reading his word if if god if god does download something when i say that i don't usually i, I don't know of anybody that you know it's an out loud thing usually it's just a hunch it's a i call it a prompting where you just it, it's not it's not your own idea you you know it's not from satan like with kevin you know why would satan tell you to give a verse of scripture to you know so kevin knows that it's not satan really the fight usually is is this just me or is this really from god And can I just encourage you, like I think sometimes we don't move, we don't take action because we're so self-conscious when God is just saying, just move, just take a risk. I mean, really, what's the worst thing that could happen? And here's how I encourage you to do this is I would encourage you, you don't have to be weird. You can just say to somebody, hey, I was thinking of you and this thought came to my mind and I'm a follower of Jesus. I think actually this could be from God, but I don't know for sure. Just take this and judge it for yourself. It just seems natural to do it that way, doesn't it? You don't have to get all weird and holy and spiritual. You don't have to use big words that you don't even know what they mean, let alone the people that you're talking to. But take a risk. In fact, I really feel that this is, that this is a timely message for us as a church that, that, that obviously in December, but in 2022, that we would be a people who are desperate and we would be a people who are, that we take risks. What's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah, maybe he would have chased Kevin around the park. I don't think he would have. I think even if he was an atheist, he might have said something that would hurt Kevin's feelings, but that probably would have been the worst of it. Like I think sometimes we build these things up in our minds and it's like, let's just take a risk. And maybe in the the permission level of doing that, maybe we would see God move in ways that remind us of how God moved in scripture. Because maybe that's how God really wants to move today. And so here's what I would encourage you with. We're going to close today by just taking a whole minute to be quiet. Just to be, just to be quiet. Now, some of you, one minute is going to be so uncomfortable that you're going to just impulsively want to get out your phone and start scrolling through your phone because we don't know how to handle quiet. And there's going to be babies crying and there's going to be people that are going to cough and someone's going to get the hiccups, right, as we try to be quiet. That's gonna happen, so just let it happen. But just to say, God, I am listening to you. Right on cue. God, I'm listening to you. Speak to me, speak to me. So let's be, we're gonna do it a whole minute. We're not used to that, are we? Do you feel like that was good for your soul? Certainly wasn't bad for anybody in here, was it? Well, that's a minute I'll never get back. Thanks a lot to chant, right? Like it's, it's, good, it's good for us, we need that. Can I challenge you? Just schedule that right into your day. Set reminders throughout the day, set alarms. Use this noisy technology that you have for good father I pray that we would be a people a people who live on the foundation of your word that we would desire your word more than we ever have before to read your word and study your word and meditate on your word and memorize your word God I pray that we would be a people who would be desperate that when we look at what's going on around us, that it would be unacceptable, that there would be a holy discontent that would rise up inside of us of, God, you've got to give us wisdom. You've got to give us knowledge. You've got to give us discernment. When we look at the attacks of the enemy against us, that we'd be a people who would lean in and listen. And then we would be a people who would move, act, take a risk to be led by you. for your kingdom, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Pastor Megan's gonna come, and then in a few minutes we will dismiss you.
2: I'm gonna do a lot of reading um, off of my little paper here. Um. Because something some things that are important for you to know so uh, Journey Church is part of a network of churches all throughout the world called the Assemblies of God in case you didn't know that Um, in Ohio there are 280 churches in our network so 280 Assembly of God churches in our network and they are called the Ohio Ministry Network We're a group of churches that can share resources, leadership, accountability, and relationships. The Ohio Ministry Network has different departments, such as leader development, church health, ages and stages ministries, and it is from those ministries that kids and youth ministry host summer camps that we participate in, in in-state missions trips, BGMC projects, and things such as fine arts, and quite a lot of other things as well. Unexpectedly, a couple months ago, I was approached by the leaders of the Ohio Ministry Network with an idea to pray about. And that idea was to prayerfully consider being the leader of Ohio Kidman for all of the Ohio Ministry Network. I took the time to pray and fast, seek counsel from wise mentors, talk to friends, and just think a lot. And within the past couple weeks, I have said yes to this offer to become the new Ohio Kidman Director. This means I'll be moving to Columbus to take on this role full time as of January 10th. So my last Sunday here at Journey Church will be January 9th. I can't begin to explain how much these past five years, literally yesterday was five years here at Journey, have meant to me. I've been able to serve communities across the street and around the world with so many of you. We've been able to do community outreaches. Uh, We've been able to have partnership in greeting and mentoring in our schools. We've been able to take missions trips to New York City as well as to Haiti and the Dominican Republic. We've seen BGMC grow and give to the point where this year we're well over $8,000. We have 37 missions partnerships. I've had the chance to see our kids experience powerful moments of prayer during camp services. Teams of leaders be built as, faithful as they faithfully serve in kids, all kinds of kids' environments each and every week. I've seen kids who were just babies grow up to become kids that are student leaders. I've seen kids that were student leaders become teachers like the best of the adults. We've lived through a pandemic together. We've lived through online church and all that that entailed. Lots of me appearing in your driveway with a bag of junk for your children. <laughs> and calling it fun. We've visited each other, we've been through a lot, more than I can say, just in this short period of time. I've had lots of conversations with all of you, many of you. We've talked about a lot of really deep things. We've walked through a lot of difficulty and joy together. But it's not over. So in this new role, I will lead those kids' camps those retreats and those events it means i'll have flexibility to travel and to encourage all 280 churches all over the state and their kids ministries and it means that i can be able to come here to be with my forever family in journey church here's what i know for certain god is faithful and it is who he is and he will be faithful to the work that he is doing here at journey and he will be faithful to me as he calls me to new places And he will be faithful to you as he asks you to step into new things in new ways. I love this place. I love you. You are my Journey Church family.
0: can sit down again we'll do a stand-up sit-down thing I just want to honor Pastor Megan she has been top-notch when she first started talking to me about this I was like those dirty rascals in Columbus like (laughs) that's true it's pretty close to being true we said hey can we pay you more like can we like (laughs) what can we do here help me out here and uh, this is from God and it's such a great opportunity and really an honor that they would ask Pastor Megan to lead this. And, uh, and we're so grateful that, um, that she's still gonna be accessible. You know, on Sunday morning, she's not going to another church where every Sunday morning is busy. So we're gonna conjole her to come as much as we can get her here. But um, I, I can't say enough good things about Pastor Megan. If you don't know the backstory, before we started Journey, Journey will be 15 years old in March. And uh, Carrie and I were in Pittsburgh at a church and Megan was part of the church in Pittsburgh. And when it was was first an idea, we feel again, like a hunch, right? That wisdom, that knowledge of, I think God's calling us to plant a church in Fremont. And everyone said, where's Fremont? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We didn't know anybody in Sandusky County. And Megan was uh, in Bible college at Valley Forge and God gave her a hunch, God gave her A word of wisdom that she was to join us and so for the first year of journey church we couldn't pay her anything she worked another job full time and she gave us the first year without any pay to help us start journey some of you didn't know that part of the story and then she got hired by another church and then five years ago we were able to lasso her back over here and this time we were able to pay you which is a good thing right (laughs) and uh megan has been so valuable to journey church even beyond that, she's been a great personal friend to me and to Carrie and our kids. Think of her as family. And uh, we love you. We honor you. We. we uh, so a couple of things I would encourage you to do is pray for Pastor Megan. Pray for the transition. She's uh, going to be working in a different culture, different organization, different type of organization. It's It's church, but it's kind of outside of church. And so just pray that all the relationships there would go smooth and God would be with her in that and in the move and all the stuff that goes with that. And then secondly, would you pray for me? <laughs> no, pray for pray for our church leadership as we look for someone to try to step into this role. And it's always hard because you want to find somebody who will fit our culture and who, who kind of has that DNA that is so distinct and unique about journey. And then here's the third thing is If you have ever thought about being involved in kids' ministry, we need you today more than we've ever needed you. And know that kids' ministry is not like a one size fits all. Like, there's, you can be an introvert, you can be a man, and serve in kids' ministry. One of my favorite volunteers in kids' ministry is my dad, who's a grandpa, who's an introvert. I see him walk through the doors with his Journey Kids shirt on and he serves in the nursery holding babies. It's a great ministry. So I would just encourage you, this is not the time to quit kids ministry. Please don't do that. Give us some time. Um, actually this is a time to be a part of kids ministry. Especially we have Christmas Eve services coming up. It's always hard to find people to help on Christmas Eve. If you're going to be around, maybe say I'll help in one of the services. Here at Journey, we try not to burn people out. We would just if you can serve one service, one Sunday a month, man, that helps us so much and it helps from burning people out. I could ramble on. Can we just pray over Pastor Megan and then I just have a blessing over you guys. Father, we thank you for Megan. We thank you for her commitment. We thank you for her integrity. Thank you for the lives that have been changed through her ministry. Thank you for how she's touched us. Thank you for the fruit that we've seen over the last 5 years and we bless her in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We thank you for going before her. Thank you for uh, moving physically all the stuff to a new place and Thank you for the role that she's going to serve and the influence that she's going to have, the platform that she's going to have for your kingdom and a whole new level. Be with her. Give her wisdom and knowledge and discernment and favor and lead her and bless her. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet? This week, may you be led by the Holy Spirit. This week. May the Holy Spirit impart to you wisdom and knowledge and discernment. May you be filled with the grace of Jesus and may you know the love of your Father for you. He loves you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you guys later on.